Welcome to This Conscious Life with Emina and Paul Rushton. In this modern world, where we're relentlessly plugged in, yet increasingly disconnected, perpetually doing, yet so rarely just being, processing overwhelming amounts of information, yet still searching for the truth, it's time to come up for air. Here, within this community, we share stories, rituals and recipes for a beautifully humble but plentiful life, and we intersperse these with the pilgrimages we take to visit those who have taught us profoundly powerful things about humankind. By sharing our stories, we deepen our connections and remind ourselves of all that unites rather than divides us. From holistic wisdom to slow, sustainable lifestyles, spiritual nourishment to conscious parenting, this is your weekly Conscious Living Guide, here to inspire and illuminate, connect and nurture, just as nature intended. In this episode of This Conscious Life, I share passages from our book Sattva, which focus on menstrual harmony and how each of our doshas can have an effect on the lives that we lead and the physical symptoms we may feel during our cycles. I also touch on some of my favourite books and practices and rituals and I hope that it illuminates and offers you gentle insight into what your body needs every single month. It's summer but it's pouring with rain and I'm sitting at home wondering about the rhythms of nature, wondering about how the lives we're living are affecting this world that that gives us a place to live, that supports us. I think a lot of us are thinking about the weather and feeling a bit uprooted and un- unsettled this summer with the rain and the, the chill that we've had, which has been very unseasonal, and then the dryness and the heat that we had in spring, which again was unexpected. Being aware of these things and feeling into them has made me feel the importance, again, of always intuiting and listening to what it is we need day by day. Though it's summer, though the calendar tells us that, and the summer solstice is is on the horizon, it doesn't feel that way within our bodies. We feel that uh, that heaviness, that kapha energy, which often settles over us when it's been very rainy and very damp. In this episode, I am going to guide you through the the very sort of subtle symphonies and harmonies that play out within the female body during the month. And I'm going to look at the menstrual cycle from an Ayurvedic perspective and talk about how the doshas are affected during the different parts of the cycle and their interplay. It wasn't until I started studying Ayurveda and and really decided to learn much more about it that I began to understand things about my body which had previously gone unnoticed or ignored really. 
in the West, there's a real feeling we tend to assign to our periods and our menstrual cycles, a feeling of inconvenience. They, you know, they come at the wrong time and we, we, we don't want to have to put up with them. And that's often the energy that, that sort of hits us when we, when our period arrives, you know, we we're sort of, <laughs> it's something we don't welcome. And there's, of course, there is still a stigma and a slight embarrassment around it. I remember at school we would go to any length possible to sort of hide our tampons and towels and, and, uh, and you know, and just have it be something that we dealt with um, without ever really talking about. It's a strange thing, isn't it? A really strange thing when you think about it. And the fact that so much awareness is growing around women and their menstrual cycle and their periods now with so many fantastic books being written about it, wonderful podcasts, bloggers and and Instagrammers and editors and writers, all of them putting their energy into talking about something which should never, ever, ever be the root of any level of shame or embarrassment. Shows that we are going in the right direction, thank goodness. And I hope that when my daughter's times come and, and they see their first period, I very much hope that it's an environment that will feel welcoming and and understood more than anything. I remember taking PSHE lessons at secondary school and being shown these bizarre charts and diagrams which was supposedly telling me what was going on within my within my reproductive system and I remember lots of wiggly lines and um, lots of abbreviations for hormones things like luteinizing hormone estrogen um, follicle stimulating hormone I remember seeing these these uh, abbreviations and honestly they made not the slightest bit of sense to me it was a class I continually failed I never managed to grasp the theory and I think that was really quite telling. I think I didn't grasp the theory because the practice was so far removed from from my own awareness too. I genuinely didn't understand what my body was doing and why it was doing it. All I knew was that once a month I would have to pretend that something that was happening wasn't and I would have to get on with my life even if I felt as though I did not want to and that it was just something that you had to put up with, had to put up with in silence, and and that was it really. And though I didn't suffer with them particularly, I didn't, I did get period pains, and the first thing I would do would be to take an ibuprofen tablet in the morning, and I might take one or two during the school day. And certainly when I was working, and working very, very hard, I was never without my ibuprofen in my bag, and thinking back on that, again, is quite eye-opening because I have not taken any painkillers for oh, for probably more than 12 or 13 years now. I haven't taken paracetamol or ibuprofen for that long. I certainly stopped um, before I got pregnant with our first daughter, sort of made a conscious choice to ask myself why I was in pain or discomfort and look to the roots of that rather than just try to stifle it with with a tablet and this is what Ayurveda is so brilliant at doing you know it provides a really unique insight into the health of the woman at every single level 
in Ayurveda, the things that we bemoan and that, that, that cause us pain and trouble and distress are things that are never seen as natural parts of menstruation or the menstrual cycle. So the pain that we might feel, the cramping and the bloating and the discomfort, these are seen as symptoms of imbalance within the body. If the body is healthy and clear and balanced, there is no reason, this is what this is what Ayurveda believes, what traditional Chinese medicine holds true, there is no reason why you should be in pain or why you should experience discomfort. So it's of crucial importance to go beneath the physical and really address what is happening beneath. 57% of women in the UK have said that at times their periods are so painful that it, they actually affect their ability to work. And that's an incredible statistic, isn't it? That you cannot actually carry on with your day, what is what is being asked of you. And that's different from choosing to rest when you when you are menstruating. And I advocate that very, very strongly. For a day or two, I do try and go a lot slower. This statistic refers to women who are in just so much pain, aren't are debilitated and aren't able to, to get up and carry on. And that's that's something that I so hope we begin to see diminish as more and more women take the time to learn and listen in to why their bodies do what they do and really begin to celebrate the miracle of it because it's truly truly incredible what our bodies do month by month and it's something that we rarely consider and we rarely celebrate. So in Ayurveda we talk about the doshas, about Vata, Pitta and Katha and they are how the elements in the universe manifest themselves physically within our bodies and each of the doshas plays a part in our menstrual cycles and it plays it at different times. Crucially, the pre- and post-menstrual symptoms that may manifest in our bodies, so from cramping and mood swings to increased appetite and sweating, all of these directly relate to the balance, or the imbalance as it may be, of the doshas within the body. The severity of the symptoms we feel is also greatly affected by the amount of amma, which is how we talk about the toxins or the kind of build-up of waste and unnecessary harmful um, chemicals or undigested food or waste materials that are in our body and how that is held in our tissues and in the tissues of our body. So the more AMA there is in our bodies, the more likely we are to experience unpleasant symptoms during our menstrual cycle. So one of the most important ways that we can restore peace and, and ease and, and sattva to our monthly cycle is to work on gently lightening our body's toxic load. And we know how to do that. We know that we need to stop eating processed foods, that we rest, that we try to live in environments where we're not using things that which have very high toxicity ratings. So trying to clean with gentler gentler natural materials um everything from you know the, the clothes we wear to the to the scents and the cleaning products and the cosmetics we're using all of these things have an impact um eating natural seasonal food which has been through as few processes as possible is one of the easiest ways to lighten our toxic load 
and to increase the amount of of seasonal goodness on our, our plates so the vegetables that are growing at that time to to you know to, to eat well and to just try and help our bodies stay on an even keel and feel deeply nourished menstruation is also very affected by the moon cycle and while there are so many women who who don't really relate to the moon's cycle and its orbit and feel any kind of any real relationship with it i found it to be really helpful in preempting my mood and my energy shifts i i think it's very interesting that the the ayurvedic sage is always aligned a woman's menstrual cycle with the moon cycle so 28 and a half days the lunar and the menstrual cycles perfectly reflecting and mirroring one another and in recent years I've started to spend a lot more time sort of charting my cycle and paying attention to when I'm ovulating when I'm menstruating when I feel certain things when my mood shifts and I find if there are periods of my life which are particularly unsettled if I haven't been able to get out in nature and in daylight as much if my sleeping patterns a bit off or if I'm under more pressure and more stress I often find that my cycle unsinks itself so whereas I when I'm in a good balanced place I find that I menstruate when we have a new moon um, which is when we don't see it in the sky and it's when we historically would have menstruated a sense of of retreat and going inwards so the darkness in the sky is is quite poetic encourages us to go within and allow our bodies to release and that's when we begin to bleed and that's what we call a white moon cycle and I tend to ovulate when it's a full moon so um but some women bleed when it's a full moon and we call that a red moon cycle so being aware of these of these sort of links to what's happening around us in nature and what's happening within us are deeply comforting and they they remind us of of our nature of of you know, the fact that, that we're inextricable from the cycles and the seasons and the tides um and I and I always take real heart from that I always find that really reassuring I've also noticed that my cycle can swing between the full and new moons if there have been really big transitions in my life and there's a feeling sometimes from within my body that it's just trying to shift stagnant energy as though it's trying to push past some blocks of some sort so I may bleed quite close together whereas I'd normally have 28 days between my cycle may shorten and that's always emblematic for me of my body just trying to release as much as it can as quickly as possible. So the three main stages of the menstrual cycle all possess their own very unique characteristics and each of the stages relates to the shifts in hormones each time. So in Ayurveda we talk of Rajakala which is which is when we menstruate, it's when our cycle begins and at the beginning of our menstrual cycle we're in the vata part of our cycle and that's because vata is the energy that governs movement and flow if we think of vata as the air and the ether elements that represent it 
we think about the wind and the breeze and things swirling around us and things never being still. And we see that in Vata types as well, who are always flying off and rushing. So that Vata energy begins begins the flow of our cycle. And so we begin to bleed. Ayurveda always encourages us to support the downward flow. So we don't want to go against what nature is trying to do. You know, our bodies are trying to release, they're trying to let go, they're trying to clear. So we need to support ourselves in that clearing. And I think that's why uh, many yoga teachers and Ayurvedic practitioners advise you not to practice inversions while you're menstruating. I know women who really take umbrage with this, and that's absolutely fine. I don't, I don't believe in anything being prescriptive or rigid, and I believe that every woman is their own best in, intuitor and guide. I find I find there's a sense of just wanting to encourage my body to kind of root down and draw things out and I wouldn't practice inversions during this time for that reason because I feel that I'm stymieing nature's flow but I do things that encourage the flow instead and I think it's very, very important at this time to keep reminding ourselves that this is a time of release and a time of clearing and that we need to surrender to it. I think surrender is a very powerful word at this time of the month. We don't need to feel frustrated by it or bemoan it or be, you know, feel aggravated by the fact that we have again got our period. It may be unwelcome in any number of ways but it's our body doing what it so intelligently does best and accepting it and surrendering to it is again a very powerful signal to our bodies, our minds, our spirits that we are healthy, that we are vital, that we are women and that this is this is what our bodies do. When we come to the end of our period, after menstruation, kapha is the dominant dosha. This part of the cycle is called rutukala and it lasts from the very end of the bleeding phase to the point at which we then again begin to prepare to ovulate. So not when we are quite ovulating, but up until the point at which we will. The kapha phase overlaps slightly with the vata phase. And again, this is the beauty of the cycle. You know, as one part of the cycle segues into the next part, it reminds me of the moon setting, the moon rising as the sun sets and the moon the moon disappearing from the sky as the sun rises and that beautiful that beautiful uninterrupted cycle and the harmony uh, that, that that plays out there. Harmony again is 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 a beautiful thing to consider with with regards our cycle. It's an intricate complicated melody it's you know we have so many different hormones being released at different different percentages and concentrations from different places and entering the bloodstream in different ways and swimming alongside each other and our ovaries and our uterus and everything is everything has a function and everything plays out its beautiful part and supports each other part and again I, I think I think trusting in that is is very important, not trying to stymie it or interfere with it. During the kapha phase of our cycle, all of those kapha energies come into play. The endometrium thickens, and again, that mirrors what we learn from nature, a sense of preparing the inner soil for the seed that's about to be planted. 
And we often feel fuller in our bodies at this time. So when kapha is dominant, we can feel softer, curvier and more supple. There are elements of water and earth in kapha, so we, we feel earthier, more rooted and it, and actually just more beautifully voluptuous in lots of ways. Our bodies can really start to take on curves that perhaps they don't have at other times. And it's such a beautiful realising of our feminine energy and it's I'm always really aware of this time of the month and I dress slightly differently and I just try to embrace it and and enjoy it actually it's um you know around the time as that we're preparing to ovulate is, is a is a really powerful wonderful time for our bodies and at the point of ovulation is when we enter the pitta phase of the cycle so when the temperature rises and the fire within rises and that's when the endometrium becomes fully engorged and it's at its most most thick and filled with blood and it's ready then to receive the ovum to protect it and to give it a home um, for, for however long it does and we can feel a lot warmer at this time our temperature really does rise I find because I'm I, I'm already quite pitter in my constitution that I'm more prone to sweating and I you know I'll be taking off layers people will say aren't you cold and I'll say no I'm boiling and it will only last for a few days but it will be really marked and I'll really be aware of just sort of feeling hot (laughs) suddenly Um, and that heat can also affect our tempers and our minds it may be that we're more irritable and more hot tempered at that time too for many many women that point of ovulation is also a point at which they the fire translates into creative energy and drive and there's a drive to create and do more and socialize and achieve it's very natural for that um, ambitious motivating energy of pitta to support us in what we want to achieve and do at this time of the month and ovulation for many women that sort of week uh, in the middle of their cycle is when they feel that they get most things done and most efficiently and if the ovum is not fertilised, then the cycle begins again and goes back to day one of menstruation when the body goes back to the vata phase of the cycle. So when you look at it this way, that that flow from, from bleeding to the receiving of the ovum and the shifts within the body from earthed and fleshy, which we relate to kapha, and airy and cleansing, which we, which we link to vata, you know, we can really start to see how this this beautiful kind of harmony and symphony in the body, and there's so much synergy, and it's so subtle in so many ways as well. And it really reminds me to honour the magic behind the kind of physical mechanics, because we ebb and we flow so beautifully, and it's it's it is it is a it's a reminder and it's an invitation to embrace that i want to talk a little bit about how the imbalances in the doshas may manifest themselves and if you have an idea of your dosha type and when i talk about the doshas i think it's really important to say that you have your inherent innate constitution and this is the doshic kind of predisposition that you are born with and this is absolutely unchanging throughout your life this is what we call the your prakriti 
You also have imbalance as it shows up day by day, as it shows up due to environmental factors, what you're eating, the circumstances you're in, your lifestyle. And these are the imbalances that actually we want to pay attention to because your natural doshic balance, you may be inherently pitta, you may be inherently kapha, you may be inherently vata, when any of these doshas are balanced, they are naturally beautiful and harmonious and it's it's always positive. But you don't need to have an equal mix of all three to be a balanced person. You are you are balanced within your own dosha and you can work to be a reflection of all the most positive attributes of that dosha. But when we look at we look at your temporary imbalance, and this is your vikriti, it's very useful to consider how we can then go about rebalancing ourselves. I'm inherently pitta, and that's that's how I am, that's how I was made, that's how I will always be, but I can, I can absolutely have kapha imbalances at times where I feel very heavy, leaden, lethargic. My body starts to feel very cold. Um, I, there's a lot of dampness in my system. I might develop a sort of phlegmy, mucusy cough. Um, I want to sleep far more than is good for me. Um, I, I, I lack motivation and I crave sweet, stodgy foods. All of my kapha ticks there and I think okay kapha's risen and I need to bring this back into balance vata may rise in me which causes me to feel very untethered very fragmented and I and I rush things um I can't stop the the ever racing thoughts within my mind I find it hard to sit still I give myself too many things to do. I'm continually coming up with new ideas, these sort of big brain waves, you know, every few minutes. And I think, this is it, this is it, this is it. Because my mind is off and away with the fairies and it's up there in the ether and the air and it's not rooted down in the earth and the living of it. Again, that reminds me that Vata has risen, that Vata has gotten the better of me and I look to root myself and earth myself again as a result. So when I talk about how imbalances present themselves, just listen in to what your body is doing day by day, moment by moment. On our blog, which is thisconsciouslife.co, we have a whole section called Discover, which is where you can learn more about your dosha and it's where you can learn more about the helpful tastes and lifestyle practices uh, that will help bring any imbalances back into balance. So for vata types, menstruation can be well, actually, missed periods are very common with vata. The idea that there's sometimes not enough fluid um, and fluidity actually within the body to encourage seamless flow. So periods can can be painful, absent, or, or blood itself. The bleeding can be really scant. And that's because vata's effect on the blood ves- vessels is very constricting. So vata Vata doesn't encourage things to kind of loosen and flow and it's the opposite of unctuousness. It's dryness and tightness. So if you think about wanting to get your body to a place where it can freely release, having a big uh, sort of an excess of Vata isn't helpful when we want to 
be able to have a period which is flowing and free and comfortable. So because Vata also naturally resides within the pelvic space, if the imbalance is allowed to go on for some time, um, Vata can it's very common for vata types to experience a depletion of their tissues so they can begin to look frail and thin and undernourished um sort of dark circles under the eyes the bones may look suddenly more prominent there's a you know that sort of idea when you look at someone and they just feel that they need they need feeding up they need to be nourished and nurtured and warmed and softened and that's a sign that vata is really high and really needs to be addressed. You know, I'm I'm naturally pitta, but I have had periods of my life where my vata has really risen. And people will comment on weight loss and say that I look thin or and none of it had had anything at all to do with with anything that I'd changed or was was consciously doing. But periods of extreme busyness or stress or rushing or racing had depleted my body to a point where it did start to show it outwardly and that's that's very common with with vata types when vata types uh, get their period the blood can be darker in color and that can be a sign that there was blood there from a previous period that hadn't fully released or cleared and that there's older blood mixed in with the fresh blood and again that the flow of the uterus is in some way stymied so we really want to we really want to restore balance here and we look to do that with the law of opposites so we want to counterbalance the dry and the cool qualities of vata with things that oleate and nourish and lubricate and soften. And I always think of those comfort foods that we return to. And my vata friends, bless them, they are exactly the sorts of people who would curl up with a bowl of mashed potato, you know, with lots of butter stirred through it and eat that with such gusto and really savouring the baby foodiness of it, the comfort of it. And that's actually that's actually really intuitive. It's an understanding that you want things which feel rooted, so your root vegetables and feel sweet and buttery and oily because they start to they start to nourish the dryness of, of your body and they, they they feed you up. In Ayurveda, you know, ghee is a wonderful, wonderful thing for vata type. Sesame oil is wonderful and warming. Food with lots of butter is great. Um, we don't, you know, Paul and I don't eat, um, we don't eat butter or, or ghee as much as we, we actually love them and the flavour of them and enjoy their benefits. But because we don't eat dairy, um, we, we look to use other oils. So sesame is helpful for us. Think about well-cooked soups and stews and curries. Um, uh, you know, a really unctuous kind of taka dal is wonderful. And really cut back on the coffee. The vata types with their rushing and their racing are very drawn to cups of coffee and the just the continual putting of wind into their sails. But you need the opposite. You need soothing and slowing and warming. So... Look for herbal teas, use cardamom, use cinnamon and enjoy those gently spiced milks, your turmeric milk, the golden milk that we see more and more and the chais, you know, masala chai, which is a beautiful drink. Make it with lots and lots of milk. We use hemp milk a lot at home because it feels more nourishing and it has beautiful essential fatty acids in it. 
Um, and it just feels a bit, uh, yeah, it just feels like a more complete milk for us. So try it. It's got a beautiful flavour as well, actually. It's not it's not strong or obvious in the way that a coconut or a nut milk is. There are also beautiful harmonising adaptogenic herbs and spices that help all women throughout their cycle. Shatavru is one we talk about so much here um, and it does balance it balances the hormones and it tones the uterus and it's a wonderful, wonderful herb for women. Bala is also a great one, particularly good at balancing vata. Traditionally, we would have added these herbs to ghee and eat, eaten them as a sort of medicated butter um, or stirred them into a milk and, and drunk them, which, which is a wonderful way to enjoy them. But you can also have them in a capsule form or with a tea. Another really lovely way to nourish and feed up those vata-weakened tissues is to use castor oil or a warming wrap that you... So if you're using castor oil, soaking some fabric in the oil which you might warm beforehand and then wrapping it around your midsection so it's covering the whole of your pelvis and you feel it on the part of you that needs it most and just resting and lying down for as long as you can it's worth saying that the lying down and the resting part is always a good antidote to vata who is as i've said the you know the type the dosha type that just wants to rush around without stopping so sleep and rest is really incredibly important during this time for pitta types if you think about the heat and the force of pitta because it's characterized by the by the fire and water elements the pitta cycle can be quite heavy and it can come on all of a sudden that, you know, there's not always an indication that you are about to get your period. Sometimes it will just come on heavily in the middle of the night. This is more common with pitta types than any other. Along with the rise in temperature that many pitters feel, feeling quite hot and bothered, there can be a tenderness and a swelling. And um, there can be increased heat in the tissues of the body so it's it's quite common with pitta types for them to have quite loose bowel movements and a sense that everything was just clearing out all at once and there's quite a lot of force involved I mean not that you're consciously uh, forcing anything but that the body has come on in a bit of a rage and a rush and everything's just clearing out because it does that it's also possible for pitta types to feel quite nauseous in the run-up to their period because the body has just got this sort of fire running through it and it can it can sort of interfere with the stomach acid and the juices, which can have a knock-on effect in terms of us feeling a bit nauseous or a bit acidic and unsettled. Because of this forcefulness of the pitta cycle, you know, the natural antidote is to be gentler with ourselves and to make gentler decisions, just to lighten up in general. And if you feel that pitta is raised, it's possible that you you feel that your temperature or your level of ambition or competitiveness has also risen. So we want to consciously choose to remove ourselves from those aggressive and competitive behaviors you know any activity really that you that you could say gets your blood up because you just don't need it you know you've got more than enough blood already and you just want to focus on gentleness and calming and cooling 
In the same vein, if we think about spicy, overly rich, salty foods, we want to do the opposite. We want to quell and we want to cool. Mint and nettle, lavender, chamomile, coconut, coriander, these are traditionally cooling foods, herbs, and they're very useful making teas out of them regularly mint tea lavender chamomile are useful because again of the force of of pitta and the suddenness of the cycle and the the speed of it um we can feel very suddenly depleted too and if there is ama in the system so toxins that have built up we we feel that our bodies are holding on to waste and 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 sort of our toxic load is a little bit high then it's much more likely that our period feels very painful and uncomfortable too i found aloe vera to be very helpful actually because it's a natural blood cleanser and it's very naturally cooling there's a wonderful yogi tea which i enjoy which is made it's white tea with aloe vera and I find that I crave that more, actually, when I'm menstruating. I also drink a lot of uh, shatavari tea um, during that point. And there's a hibiscus tea as well, which is very deep red and fruity, and the berry itself is, is very vivid. And I love, I love how nature mirrors back at us our needs. You know, the hibiscus berry itself, the fruit, um, it looks like the womb you know we, we see that reflection it sort of makes perfect sense other herbs that help us when our pitta is imbalanced during during our menstrual cycle brahmi is wonderful because it really quells the excessive fire and brahmi is so useful for inviting sattva back into our lives so calmness and equanimity and light so brahmi is is a really is a really useful one and it's more readily available now which is wonderful for katha menstruation katha is is the heaviest and most lethargic of the doshas because the elements of earth and water so that the most stable finite and solid elements are at play within katha and that sort of slowness and that um that sort of stagnating quality can mean that the body holds on to things if you think about like a a clay soil and how it doesn't drain very well and the water is held there in the soil and the heaviness of it all that can really uh yeah that can very accurately describe kapha when kapha is imbalanced and there's a lot of water retention and the whole body feels heavy and damp almost feels as though our limbs are heavier that, that we're weighted down so to to help us get you know get past those those feelings we really need to we need to seek out the opposite so we need to warm things up and we need to vitalize and we need to energize so agni which is our metabolic fire and our internal fire it needs as much stoking as we can give it and we stoke it up with pungent tastes so spice in our food black pepper ginger fresh ginger in a tea is always wonderful for kapha when it's imbalanced and you want to avoid the the foods that 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 sort of raise the level of dampness in your system so that's your yogurt your cheese and your most of your dairy 
Instead, choose things that are light and zingy and have gentle spice um, and and keep everything warm. Your body needs warmth. It needs broths and soup and, you know, beautiful curries and stews. Tulsi is a wonderful, wonderful herb for, for kapha imbalance. It's wonderful. It's tridoshic. All can use it. It's another form of holy basil. So Tulsi is the Ayurvedic word. Um, holy basil is it's a mood tonic. It's really wonderful for promoting optimism and balancing our moods, but it's also very good for, for balancing kapha. Cardamom, turmeric and cinnamon are also very useful for reducing kapha. As I described earlier, a warming castor oil wrap, which is so useful for vata, is also just as helpful for kapha because kapha needs the warming up and it needs things to be loosened up as well. Hot baths, again, are wonderful. You can use some some pungents and zingy oils. I love cedar, clove, cinnamon, ginger oil, start to smell like Christmas. All of these things are wonderful if you're, if you're running yourself a bath and kapha is out of balance. Though it may seem difficult as well because you're, you likely want to rest and sleep more than ever, Unfortunately, these things do raise kapha so much more. So we have to try and keep the body moving. And though it's absolutely good and fine and right that we lie down and that we rest when we begin to menstruate, if you can try and walk more, run, hike, do things which energise you, which excite you in the run-up to your period, it will really help your cycle itself when it begins. You can also stimulate the body's natural processes with dry body brushing, um, just you know exfoliating in Ayurveda rather than using these expensive scrubs which are f- filled with all of you know sort of twenty odd ingredients. Just a very simple chickpea flour is often used, or an oat flour, which you can adapt and sort of add your own essential oils to. But a dry scrub, um, and then an oiling of the body, and then a getting into the bath is a lovely Ayurvedic ritual and process. Again, perhaps a more dynamic form of yoga for kapha. I think I've mentioned before that kundalini, which can seem quite forceful at times and I really urge you to seek out a kundalini teacher who's incredibly experienced and with whom you feel completely safe. I find the physicality of kundalini quite overwhelming at times um, and the kind of the, the speed of movement between the asanas sometimes feels wrong to me physically as though I'm forcing my body and I never want to force my body. But kundalini with its deep breathing and its sort of the putting the fire into the belly is a wonderful practice for kapha and always always just seek out a teacher whom you trust certainly vinyasa again is a wonderful practice for kapha because it brings heat and warmth to the tissues so these are just some very simple ways to start thinking about the natural harmonized elements at play within your body during your menstrual cycle and how we can think about the different phases of the cycle and how that affects our energy and our feelings and then how we can support ourselves as beautifully as we can to 
balance the body and to balance the cycle so it does what it needs to do without pain, without restriction, without fear. And we support ourselves to do something that we do month after month after month, but it becomes an invitation to slow and embrace and surrender rather than hold back and constrict and push away. I hope you found that useful. Um, We write about um, all of these things in Sattva, our book on Ayurvedic living, and I wanted to share them here on the podcast today because I love talking about it and I have so many friends who've benefited from learning more about their cycles and in the show notes I'm going to share some of my favourite books on menstrual harmony. There are three in particular that I've um, read quite recently. Well, The first one I read was Wild Power which is um, has been around for a long time and is very well known and well respected. Um, I'll put all of this in the show notes. I then discovered a wonderful book by Lucy H. Pierce called Moon Time, which really illuminated the link between my cycle and the lunar cycle and how they're they're indistinguishable and indivisible, and I loved it. And there's a book I discovered recently called Period Power by Maisie Hill, which goes into such beautiful, expansive detail with regards to every single part of the cycle, Um, and really answers all of those questions that I think a lot of us never knew how to ask or didn't know whom to ask. So they're wonderful books. As I said, I will add them to the show notes. I also want to thank everyone who has listened and recommended to their friends, everyone who's left a review. Thank you so much. It's an odd thing, really is, when you feel compelled to do something, feel called to do something, you don't really question why and there are never any expectations, sort of sat in my little little room in our little cottage, always looking out of the window as I record, as I just let things flow up and then they go out into the world and reach other people's ears, is a real source of delight and joy and a reminder again of the connections that we can have when we when we speak our truth and when we choose to share in a way that talks to one another's hearts. To listen to more episodes, subscribe at iTunes. And to learn more about living a more conscious life, visit us at thisconsciouslife.co. Thank you for listening.